You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. All right, here we go again. It is time for another podcast, and today we are going to be doing something completely unique. Um... I was flipping through a Cabela's catalog, and I was going, I want that, 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 and so forth and so on for about 30 minutes. And I was kind of realizing, you know, daydreaming, I guess you could say, about all these different products that uh, I'd like to have, and uh, if they were in my budget, uh, you know, and how important they were, and all this stuff. And it kind of sparked this idea that I had for a series of podcasts and I'm calling this the gear wishlist podcast. And, uh, so what I've done is I reached out to a handful of guys and, uh, I said, Hey, why don't you come on the show and, uh, let's talk about some of the gear that is on your wish list, like gear that you wish you had, but maybe couldn't afford or, or just haven't had the time to go get. And, uh, so what I, what I did was I, I, I put rules on, on this, on the products and, uh, it was broken down by price. So, uh, today we're going to be talking with uh, a returning guest. Um, you've probably heard him on a hundred profile podcast. Uh, his name's Walter Lee. He's from Florida and, uh, we, we talk about nine products that he that he's interested in and that he wants in in different price categories. So the first category is a hundred dollar, the one hundred dollar range, give or take. The next category is the five hundred dollar category, give or take. And the final category is a two thousand dollar category give or take. And, um, I'm going to be doing this for a couple, uh, this week, next week, and, and probably even the following week. So far I have four guys, just random guys scheduled average Joe's just like yourself. And we talk about products that, um, they really wish they had. We talk about the price and then we break down why they feel they need that product. Um, and you know, some of these products for us, uh, that we discuss for these guys are going to be, um, you know, hey, there is a chance I get these all the way up until, you know, some of these $2,000 products where it may take one or two, maybe even three years to uh, save up the money to get some of these products and, and then it's truly a wish list item. But uh, it's kind of just a shoot from a hip podcast. I just want to evolve the conversation about gear and uh, talk with some average Joes about what it is that, uh, you know, that, uh, that we like in products, um, not necessarily brand focused, but, you know, just products in general. And, um, with the holiday season coming up, uh, Black Friday is, uh, this week. And, uh, it's kind of one of those things where it's got you maybe thinking about Christmas gifts and, 
and that kind of stuff. But before we get into this podcast with Walter Lee, and speaking of Black Friday, I just want to uh, point everybody in the direction of exodusoutdoorgear.com and uh, seriously consider taking a look at some of their trail cameras, um, especially the Exodus Lift. Uh, it is a direct-to-consumer company. Uh, you're going to find a higher quality product for a cheaper price. And uh, if you guys have any questions or want more information, go to exodusoutdoorgear.com. And if you do decide to purchase one of their trail cameras, when you check out, Enter the code nine fingers. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers, and you'll receive $20 off your purchase. And uh, you will be happy with your purchase. Um, I've had uh, awesome, they take awesome nighttime pictures, uh, awesome trigger speed, and uh, I haven't had any issues with them yet. And uh, I'm just really happy that uh, I don't know about you guys, but when a trail camera underperforms it can really piss a guy off um, and when a trail camera does what it's supposed to do it's one of those things where it can make you very very happy especially when you're catching something that uh, you didn't know you have if that makes any sense so let's get into this first wish list series podcast gear bow hunting gear hunting gear whatever uh um, it kind of it can go any direction really, uh, but uh, hunting gear wish list podcast with Walter Lee. Enjoy. All right, on the phone with me now for a second time, all the way from Florida is Walter Lee. How you doing today, Walter? I'm doing great, Dan. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Doing good. Sounds to me like uh, you're having fun down there in Florida duck hunting. Yeah, I took a break from the from the deer hunting a little bit. It's kind of the rut's been kind of slow here, and, and duck season opened up, so I decided to take take my chances at that and give the woods a break for a little bit. Nice, nice. How has your deer season been going? Other than you know what you've already said, saying that it's been a little slow. It's been really, it's been a really tough year. Um, the the deer haven't really quite been cooperating with with the game plan. I, I don't know if they read the wrong script or what, but it hasn't been working for me too well and. To make matters worse, I had about a 120-inch buck at 20 yards, uh, let's make that two weeks ago, no, about a week and a half ago, and uh, broadside shot and hit the front shoulder. Didn't oh, get the boy. penetration I was going for, and I watched this deer for a solid 30 minutes, and the jitters were gone, and I had sized him up, and I was good, and I picked my spot, and when he when he took off, I saw about six inches of penetration and my heart sank immediately oh called my buddy. We tracked that thing for seven hours solid. We let it rest for about four hours and we went in there for seven hours and he crawled into the nastiest thickets you could have ever asked thought of, man. It yeah. was just unreal. And it was just specks of blood. And, and, uh, about, about the time we were about to call it quits, we looked up and there he was about a hundred yards limping across a field, but he was feeding at the same time. So, right. We, we felt like it was a pretty good chance that he was going to survive, but uh, it, it, it uh, messes with your confidence a little bit when that happens. We, it does. We, we went back, and I felt like it was a really good shot. And when we went back to the shooting lane that I had, my buddy pointed out there was just the tiniest of vine right there. And he swears that I hit that vine because there was this little slit in the side of it. He swears I hit that vine, and it threw it a couple inches to the left, and that's what hit that shoulder because I was aiming for the heart. Yeah. I mean, just gent gentle squeeze on the trigger and 
kind of a heartbreak. So I've kind of been giving that area a little bit of a break because we, we stank it up pretty good. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. When does, uh, when does your gun season start in Florida? The gun season started, uh, maybe four weeks ago. Okay. So yeah, they're running dogs through that area, right? No, not the area that I hunt. It's mainly still hunt plantations. I've got okay. a little, that, it's a little farm right in the middle of a bunch of still hunt plantations. And so for the most part, I don't have to deal with, uh, uh, dog hunters. Um, I think when we talked before, we mentioned how the public land down here, uh, vast portions of it, you can dog hunt on. And that's why I don't hunt them very much during the gun season. So, uh, but interesting note, our, our rut here, according to all scientific data, doesn't start until early December. Oh, is wow. heavy until early December. Yeah. Gotcha. So you guys are kind of like in a pre-rut stage right now then. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because I've, I've never, last year, you know, on November 7th, they were rutting hard and there were trees wrecked and everything. And I guess it was, the does came into heat a little differently. I'm not, I'm not sure what's going on this year, but it seems to add up, line up more with uh, the data points that I found on the, on the wildlife uh websites so i'm hoping that uh that when i saw him it was pre-rut i give it a couple weeks and maybe i can get a redemption shot at him come early december yep okay so today um and, and you know the reason that uh we're, we're having this podcast is because and you're the first one i've done this with and i had this idea as i'm sitting um i don't know if you get the big cabela's catalogs that come out every year (laughs) you flip through the pages and you're like i want that i want that i want that i want that and it kind of put an idea in my head i want to do some podcasts with some some hard some serious bow hunters some serious hunters they don't you know not necessarily bow hunting products but hunting products in general about what is on a guy's kind of wish wish list for products that you know they they wish they could have throughout the year and uh because all of us have budgets all of us mm-hmm. can't go out and be like put it on the card you know like, <laughs> i'll take one of everything um, yeah because at that point then we'd be building an addition onto our garage and uh, right. having a our own our own cabela's basically yeah exactly <laughs> but so what i what i did was i had I had us break it down by th- three products in three different categories. And it was three, three products that are somewhere around that $0 to a hundred mark or mm-hmm. give or take a hundred dollars, uh, three products that are give or take $500 and then three products, uh, that are kind of the, the higher level in the $2,000 range. And, um, so as of right now I have, I'm going to do, this is a four series podcast where I'm going to, you know, interview four different guys and, uh, maybe this expands, uh, maybe this expands, but I'm just always interested to see what other guys are using or what other guys out there, guys that were gals end up buying or, or what they're looking at as far as products are concerned. So I think Walter, what we'll do is we'll just start at the very beginning and, uh, We'll start at the lowest, the lowest dollar amount. Why don't you start with? Give me one product near that hundred dollar level that you wish you had. So it, it come it it turned out that all my hundred dollar items tend to be tinkering items, things that okay. I've always uh, wanted to play around with or, or tweak on my setup, specifically my bow. 
So the first one that I have is my as I'd I think I'd love a dozen Easton Deep Six FMJs. Okay. And that kind of unfortunately ties into hitting that front shoulder <laughs> this past you know week and a half ago. But I, I'm I'm a fan of of a dub, of of an entry wound and an exit hole. I yes. shoot mechanical broadheads and uh, specifically the Rage hypodermics. But even then, I've always noticed, and maybe you can you know, maybe back this up as well, but it always seems like the entry hole, just even though it's, it's rear deploy, it's never quite as devastating as that second side. Yeah. And there's nothing worse than trying to track a deer that you know is mortally wounded and you just don't, you have a marginal blood trail. Right. So these weigh 11, I guess it's 11 grams, not ounces. I've got ounces written, but it's 11 grams. Grains um, per inch. Grains. Yep. And, when I calculated that, that would add an extra hundred grains to my current setup. Okay. And I think I think that that additional weight, you know, maybe this past week would have blown through. Got you a little bit more penetration, you think? Maybe, yeah, maybe. Okay. It's one of those variables you can't control. But you know, looking back, but moving forward, I think uh, this this may not be a wish list so much as something that uh, by next season is going to be a, a requirement. Right. Right. Well, I tell you, it, it's funny you say that because. I jumped this year. I, sh- I shot some Carbon Express arrows, um, but the previous two years I had shot uh, Full Metal Jackets, and I can honestly say that those things are like Mack trucks, especially if you get them the, get them right. And you know, it depends on who you talk to. There's pluses and minuses um, with every, you know, if you're an aluminum guy or uh, you know, um, or uh, you know, a strictly carbon guy that, you know, like the aluminum arrows don't last if you're, if you're doing a lot of shooting, but are awesome for, for hunting. And mm-hmm. the, the reason I, the reason I actually moved up is because I hit a buck one year in the spine and I don't think it went through. If I feel that if I would have, I hit, I hit the bone, the, the mm-hmm. spine, right. And uh, if it didn't go through and I feel that if I was packing more heat, so to speak, uh, it right. would have it would have sealed the deal on the buck. Were you shooting a mechanical or or a uh, fixed broadhead? Just curious. Uh, uh, back then, when that happened, I was shooting a mechanical. Right. So the the, the, the idea for these came from me. My uncle is out in Colorado and he hunts yeah. elk. Yeah. And I I was talking to him about that situation and mid sentence he cuts me off. He goes, "Okay, you're going to change your arrows." I I told him what it was. He says. Change your errors, you won't. You you may not have that problem moving right. forward. And that's he swears by those those FMJs for for those six hundred pound or seven hundred pound elk. So right, well, it makes sense. I tell you, are have you put in in any thought into moving into a fixed blade broadhead? I have the the problem that I've run into is a lack of confidence in my setup. Here in Tallahassee, we've got several archery shops and. Up until uh, two months ago, none of the archery shops here could get my bow tuned, and it was ridiculous. So I, I finally drove up to Atlanta, Georgia, to, to see my mom, and when I did, I stopped by an area up there that was really well-respected for the region, for their archery shop, or for their archery work, and they got it to where it's paper-tuned properly, the cams are timed. So I think moving forward, I may have—do you have a recommendation for a fixed broadhead? Well, I'm I'm not gonna say necessarily. I I use Slick Trick. Um, that's what I use uh, right. currently, and I've used those for the past three years. But 
the whole thing with with the penetration issue Mm -hmm. you know yes it could be your arrows not being heavy enough it could be one of those fluke things where you just hit the densest bone in the body you hit that socket and not a lot of not a lot's going to go through there however like you said heavier arrow could but at the same time when a mechanical broadhead hits that and i'm not saying Mm -hmm. all there's moving parts in a mechanical broadhead, right and there's always that chance no matter what the manufacturer of a mechanical broadhead says you know they're the Mm -hmm. most durable or the most you know they there's a chance that they have trouble opening all the way when a fixed broadhead is already open. Right. So, and that that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess definitely something to, uh, something to think about. And obviously you have a long time until next season to, to tinker with uh, your setup and and make an ultimate uh, plan. But how much does a dozen full metal jackets cost? The ones that you want right at $99. And where did you where did you see that at? I I found it at Lanca- uh, Lancaster and I want to say Bass Pro Shops as well. I was able to uh, everything that I, I have on this list. I tried to at least get two different price ranges to make sure I wasn't just hitting a, a flash sale or something like that. Right. Um. Right. And they you could get a dozen fletched for about ninety nine dollars. Okay. That's not too bad a price, I don't think. Right. So for the first product that you were looking at was some arrow Easton arrows, full metal jackets. Uh, what about the second product? The second product, it's a true ball fang three. And this is one of their, I I currently shoot the fang GS, which is a trigger release index figure trigger wrist strap. And it's a, it's a hook style, um, release. And I, I really like for hunting purposes, being able to put that hook on the string, without having to, to open calipers and make sure I'm on there. I can just put my thumb on the D-loop, bring the caliper right over, or it's, it's just the hook, rather, and I'm off to the races. I don't have any problem. Right. But between several different podcasts, I keep hearing about this trigger panic, and I think I might suffer from that to some extent. Yeah. So I'm thinking about going to this, which is a three-finger thumb release. It is not a back tension. Okay. It's got the same fang hook and the same fang tension springs it's highly highly adjustable okay and what's highly adjustable on it so you've got you've got three different springs from light medium and hard for how hard you have to pull on the trigger itself before it'll it'll, uh, release right and then additional to that on the gs which is your wrist strap you have two different figures uh trigger styles you have a, a aggressive forward which is flat or you have a more relaxed trigger style like on a firearm with the with the fang three your your adjustment is for your thumb and how far it can rotate forward and back and you can order additional thumb trigger pieces that can kind of fit your thumb appropriately i've got a fat thumb and when i tried it at the shop i had to go to a diamond shaped uh trigger otherwise it just didn't sit in my in the groove of my my thumb just right okay and why would you be making this change? Is it, I mean, from, from accuracy or does it kind of go back to the tar, like a target panic issue? Well, it, it's almost multifaceted. I'm hoping it'll change, cure a couple issues. One, I use a climber wherever I hunt right now. Yeah. And I'm very methodical about what I do and, and maybe even a little OCD. 
when I get to the stand, my release is on my wrist. There's nothing worse than trying getting all the way up to the top of the tree. You can't find your release, and you got to go back to the truck. So when I get to the base of the stand, I have to have my release on my on my wrist. But the problem with that is it's constantly clanking, it's constantly catching on things, yeah, and it's annoying. Yeah. So I'm I'm hoping to cut down on that noise factor. I can hook it to the to the um, to the bow and just let it sit there. Okay. But the second thing is 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 form and and, and trigger panic. I'd I'd really really like to be able to shoot out to eighty to hundred yards in the spring and summer. I'm out there every day shooting. Yeah. And I, I think that there's just something wired in your head to want to your index finger just wants to jump and your thumb is just seems to be a little. When I was in the shop, it just you have to work, it seems like, a little harder mentally to pull that trigger. And right. I think that would really solve the problem moving forward. And I, and I think there's some, I think I've heard there's some form effects to that as well. Okay. Okay. So, and uh, what does that Fang 3 hook that you're looking at cost? Right at $99 again. Okay. Right. And that's from the Trueball website and a couple other websites as well. Gotcha. $99. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, the last product in this $100 price range. It's the HHA Optimizer Lite. Okay. It's a single pin. It's got a .019 reticle, and it's a vertical pin instead of a horizontal pin. And I'm a little bit of a I, – I, I do things a little backwards. I'm, I'm right-hand dominant, but I'm left-eye dominant. Okay. I was raised. I was raised my entire life to think I was right eye dominant up until about five years ago. But at that point, it was a little late for me, and I haven't quite made the switch to go back over. So I have to close my left eye when I shoot, and I feel like naturally that leaves that pin that 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 sight picture a little more blurry. Right. And then adding those 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 uh, horizontal pins, two or three of them, I feel like just makes it even worse. Right. Okay, so this HHA optimizer site is a single pin. Correct. It's okay. it's one of the sliders that you can you you set your twenty, you set your from what I read, you set the next mark, and you find a, a sight tape yep. that matches that. Put it on there, and there you're off to the races. Right. Right. Okay. And um, so explain in detail a little bit about why you think that this. What do you what site do you currently have? Currently, I've got a Trophy Ridge React 5. Okay. And I love it. I yeah. love it to death. It, it was the easiest site I've ever had to set up, and it's really adjustable. I mean, I'm I'm smacking it out to 60 yards after sighting in the 20 and the 30. Right. I mean, it's just, you can't get any easier than that. Right. Um, the problem is, it's got five sight pins. Right. Clutters that, clutters that box. And really, I set myself up bow hunting. The furthest shot I get, most I don't hunt field edges. I don't hunt. Either. I'm I'm in. I'm back in the swamp. Yeah. And I've got a 20, 25 yard shot. So for hunting purposes, I can pretty much have a single pin because I'm never on the side of a field edge. Very every once in a while I am, but very very seldom. So for hunting purposes, it's not that it's not going to affect it adversely for me. I know a lot of people have put online. You know, if, if you draw back and he takes 10 steps, 10, 10 bounds, and you have to shoot again, you got to let down and, and adjust it. He takes 10 bounds, he's out of my shooting lane, and it's, yeah. it's not a concern of mine anymore. Right, right. But I'd like to take this bow and turn it into a target setup and be able to shoot very precisely for 3D just to keep my, my shoulder and everything as it needs to be during the right. off-season. So that's that's the move going to the single pin. So do you feel with that React site, um, 
you know, and it's not necessarily that specific brand, but with a multi-pin site, you are subconsciously maybe focusing on additional pins when you really only need to be focusing on one. I don't think it's that I'm focusing on those other pins so much as it's it's one more thing that moves mm-hmm. in the site picture as you're moving back and forth. It's not like I'm trying to remember which site pin to use or anything like that. But right. They all move together, and it just I like a real clear site picture. And written, I don't know how you shoot, but I don't look at the pin itself. I look at my level. I make sure my my anchor point on my on my kisser button and on the tip of my nose and my anchor point behind my ear is where it needs or jaw rather. Right. is where it needs to be. And then I'm looking at the dot. And when the dot disappears, that's when I start to, to squeeze off. And it's okay. just difficult, I feel like, to know that dot's gone when there's other things moving around. And it's totally subconscious. What dot? You mean the dot, the the pin dot? No, I mean the dot on the target. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yep. Okay. All right. So <laughs> this is kind of funny, Walter, because I – I got an HHA site right before the season started and it, I I was, it was so new to me. It was a single pin Mm -hmm. uh, that I I went back to my react site that I've had for the past three years um, and put it back on my bow, like the first week after the first week of October, or maybe it was the last week of September. I can't remember, but I wanted to make sure because I, I basically went back from feeling comfortable to, you know, to using a product that I was comfortable with. However, sure. what you just explained is it almost like the malt, all the rest of the pins cloudy up that site picture, like exactly what you said. And it's just one extra thing to go back to. And that right. is why in 2017, I am thinking about going back, strongly thinking about going back to, uh, a single pin site and not only, not only, you know, I, I should say not only to clear up my, my site window, but at the same time I'll be going out West and I'll have to take a longer shot. And oh man. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be right. having to, I don't know. It just, like, I want to be able to focus on one thing. Sure. Sure. So, no, I, I'm the same way. It's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, everything else is, is, is blocked out. And right. it, it's almost like you're looking through grass sometimes, you, you know, you're trying to see the deer behind the grass and those, those other pins just muddy the, the picture. Right. Okay. All right. So how much did that HHA site cost? I found it on sale at three different places for ninety nine ninety nine. Okay. Do you know what it's, what it costs when it's not on sale? It varied. Some of them said sale and didn't, show the original price and then others showed about 110 okay so that, um but that's still roughly in that price range right okay right all right so now let's say let's say it comes down to next year right so mm-hmm. right now we're talking somewhere around 300 dollars uh 300 320 for these three products before the next season starts I want you to tell me if you had to pick one of those products, you only had a hundred dollars left to spend. Which one of those products do you think you'd be going to for next? Oh week? man. I I think, I think the only option for me and for peace of mind going into next season for hunting season, I have to have the arrows. Yeah. 
I'm, I, I can put a three inch group at 60 yards with my current sight, my current, my current release. And so far I, I haven't slept too well. Having, having wounded that deer, that's something you practice for all season long. And right. you know, you, you put in that effort and, and if I can adjust something and maybe get an extra couple of inches and not have an animal have to suffer unduly, I think, I think, uh, the FMJs are definitely on that list for tomorrow, for, for next season. Gotcha. All right. So now we're going to be bumping up to that next price range, that $500 price range. And uh, what's the first product you have for us here? Well, this this is a, a Nine Fingers Chronicle sponsored, uh, not sponsored, <laughs> but but triggered uh, thing here. I, I sent you a message when you when you first uh, contacted me on, about doing this podcast. And I told you I was doing a, a running gun setup. Right. I, I've always been very stationary. I've got my tree. I like my tree. It's known variables. I've got, and this year I have completely abandoned that. I don't think I've hunted the same tree twice. Right. And I've seen more deer and bigger deer than I anticipated. Okay. It's still been a slow season, but the deer that I've seen have been very good encounters and, and the bigger, bigger bucks and, and whatnot. So to, to accompany, uh, some of the lack of climbing trees, I think I'm going to go with a lone wolf hunt ready setup. And they're not even a they're not even a podcast sponsor, right? Right. I I, <laughs> I didn't mean to imply that they were a direct sponsor. No, no, more no. along triggered. Yeah. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah, dude. Okay. And um, what 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 um stand or combination of stuff would you end up getting? Okay, so the 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 package I'm I'm mentioning is on their website, and it's it comes with a lone wolf alpha. Okay. It comes with the lone wolf sticks and the alpha sticks uh quiver okay. all together okay and what's that gonna run 449 okay 449 all right now so you mentioned something about doing a lot more running guns uh, you mentioned doing a lot more running guns this year um why did you choose the the lone wolf alpha um and sticks package well so the running gun setup is 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 something that I've found, you know, by listening to the different uh, hunter profiles that you do, and then other people and their success that they 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 take that aggressive approach. It seems like at the right times, right? And it, I'm doing the same thing every year and getting the same result and hoping for a different result. Right. And that 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 seems kind of silly. If you and look, I just want to I'm going to interrupt you real quick. What you just said right there is the number one reason people do not get the encounters that they want during a hunting season. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. I had, I just wanted to make sh- I just wanted everybody to know, <laughs> to know that because ex- exactly what you just said, if you, if you want to do something, but don't do that, you, you know, you need to do something, but don't do it. You're not, right. you're not going to get any different results than what you have been getting. Well, and, and the, it's it's logic that we apply everywhere in life, but hunting. It seems like, right? You know, we we spend so many nights up dreaming about deer and so much time putting in. I think we're naturally conservative and scared to to ruin something, right? And I think in in doing that, we we end up sabotaging our own success, right? And at the same but, time, I think there's a little bit of laziness that you might be able to add to that recipe as well. Yeah, sure. So takes, takes more effort. I mean, exactly. you put all the time into it. You've cleared out the spot and now you're going to do it all over again. Mid season. Exactly. Yeah, sure. Yep. All right. So sorry. Sorry. I sidetracked no, yeah. there for, 
for reason, but um, why I know there's other hang on uh, stands and stick combinations that are out there. Why the lone wolf hang on and stick setup? Two reasons. One, I cannot find a set of sticks and stand that I liked together better than the low, the lone wolf. And this, in this case here, um, the, I didn't mention this earlier. I have tried the true ball thing three okay. and I, I have not tried the lone wolf. However, I've gone to a demo where you could put it on a pole and see how quick it was to put up and whatnot. And I've played with other ultra light equivalents by other companies. Yep. And I've, I've just yet to find one that, I mean, I'm getting in the stand at, I leave the house at three. If shooting lights at six fifteen, six thirty, whatever, I'm leaving at three. I want to be in my stand quiet as possible for at least an hour before shooting light. Okay. And and that quiet factor never seemed to be captured by all the competitors. Okay. It just it, whatever corner they were cutting, it just never seemed to add up. Right. The second reason is it seemed like all the little things that you always knocked a tree stand on, except for price in this case. But just like the, the the little attention to detail, you know, we all work really hard for our money, and there's nothing more frustrating than getting something that just if somebody had taken a little more time and done it just a little bit better, it would look differently or perform differently. Right. And they right. just seem to take so much attention to detail. There's all these aftermarket mods that everybody does, but it doesn't seem like they're necessary. Right. It's all you know, peace of mind or or maybe a hunter's desire to tinker and be better next year, but. I mean, you you take their stuff right out the box, and it's ready to hunt. You can kill a booner out of that thing just as easy as you would probably after some of those mods. I, I would I would think. Right. So, okay. And um, and did you, you know, before you went there, did you look at any other brands that, you know, it's like, well, I'm looking at this, this, and this, but ultimately, if I had the extra money, I'd go with I'd go with the Lone Wolf. Yes, I've put my hands on just about everything I can get my my hands on from. Okay. Well, I'm not going to name companies, but I've I've tried I've tried a variety of stands, and I've bought some, and I've sold everything but my my current climber. Yep. And the next the next stand that I buy will be a lone wolf, and if that means I'll hang on to this summer this uh, climate for you know a couple more years, then I hold on to it for a couple more years. But I'm not wasting money anymore. Right. On things that I don't feel comfortable going to, and and that seems to be the justification. Oh, well, this one's on sale for for fifty dollars. I can afford right. three of these. Right. Well, if you're going to do a running gun setup, you don't need it anymore. Exactly. And I think yep. you maybe mentioned just on one of the previous podcasts. You know, I think you said you had what a couple setups that you put up that are permanent, and you yep. you haven't hunted them much at all. Right. You yep. know. Uh, I only let's see. I had one, two, three. I had this year. I had three permanent stands in, and um, they, they were lone wolf tree stands, but they were permanent stands. So I could have went right. in there technically with any stand and and set it up. But I only hunted those two times the entire year. So everything else was a complete run and gun new setup every time I went out hunting this year. That's awesome. So, and I think that had to, uh, to do with a little bit of my success. You know, first time in, best type best time in motto right that some of us live by but um so cool all right lone wolf and you said uh, that comp that uh, package with the alpha the sticks and was it four sticks or three sticks i'm pretty certain it was four sticks okay uh and the in the stick quiver for four hundred and forty nine dollars all right yes Okay. Uh, the next product in that $500 
price range. Okay, so this one is kind of like a, a, a package deal. It's all one product company. Okay. But it's 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 something that I would have put together for that four hundred dollar price range. Okay. And that that it comes from the company QU. Okay. I am maybe perhaps their biggest fan now. Their stuff for running gun setups makes the most sense. What one of the things I encountered this year early on was you put all your gear on your back, you're packing that thing in there, you're hot and sweaty wearing whatever it is that would have kept you warm had yep. you just walked in quietly. And that blew me out of the water. I wasn't prepared for that. Yep. So I've I, I took a plunge and I bought some of their their uh, layering systems this year, and the rest of my camo is getting liquidated. It's going full Kuyu, and if yep. that takes me a couple extra years, then fine. But a the quality I was just blown away with, yep. and the price point that direct to consumer marketing or, or uh, company really just makes you feel like you're getting more, and and you just do. It, it's yep. it's incredible. So for this bracket here i picked out a jacket and pants the chinook okay which is a, a medium weight jacket and pants outer layer and two of their merino 210s base layers okay one's a zip up with a hoodie it's the ultra merino 210 hoodie okay and then the ultra merino 210 zip off bottom okay gotcha so you went with a base layer mm-hmm. products and you went with an outer layer product. So I think they, they have um, uh, um, most of these companies like Kuyu and Sitka and some of those other companies out there, um, ha- they, they have three different categories, which is the base layer, insulation mm-hmm. layer, and um, the, the shell or the outer layer. And right. um, so you went with a couple base layer products. And uh, now do you have a breakdown for us of what each – one of those costs and what the total of all those products is. I do not have a breakdown. I should okay. have brought that. I do have a total on it for y'all. It's, it's four eighty nine. Four eighty nine, And that is for uh one, two, three, four, five different products. Uh, just the four, the jacket, just- the pants and the top and bottom base layer. Okay. I gotcha. All right. So, um, can you give us any product specs on those? Um, I know that, and and I can speak for the Kuyu, uh, the wool. Mm-hmm. Was it was it a wool base layer that you purchased? Yes. That you want to purchase? Mer- okay. Mm-hmm. Merino. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I know that they have a one twenty five, a one forty five, and a two ten merino uh, layers. Two ten being the uh, coldest. So Correct. Like if you wanna if you wanna be in the cold hunt in the coldest temperatures. And then let's like, say, for example, uh, the one twenty five would be for the really hot, maybe even early season type of, uh, setups. But, um, down in my question to you is the two ten wool, which would be the hottest down in Florida, where typically it's hot all the time <laughs> compared to where I'm at right now. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right. <laughs> what, uh, what is, why, why did you decide, why would you decide to go to with the two ten? Well, so that that does seem silly. I've already got thinner base layers. Yes, so I gotcha. if I was going to buy something, I'd go that route. The the it would get used though. This wouldn't be something I think that would get used very often because their outer layers. I currently have the Teton uh, system. That was my my dip into their their product line. Uh, that's their for for the listeners. That's their bare baseline model. I mean, it does not get any cheaper for them. And their baseline, I felt like was is performing incredible but it's a layering system so your outer jacket 
until you get up to their, I think their guide series, it's not very insulated. It's a, it's a, it's a windproof water resistant shell okay. that is meant to capture the heat that's inside there and can keep the wind from, from cutting through. Right. Okay. Um, so I went with the 210 top and bottom because I sit for a long time. I, I've, I've got the, my current setup between school and work. I've got Saturdays to hunt. Yeah. So I, I sit all day. And when you sit completely motionless, you know, in the shade in 40 degree weather. And the, and the kicker here is for us, we have our cold fronts come through and I'm sure it's this way everywhere. But it just seems like we don't have cold weather that sits here. It literally blows through. Right. So you're out there and, and the wind is, is ripping pretty good and, and it's cold. And I have just yet, I'm a hot natured person and I have just yet to find that balance yet of layers that will keep me warm just yet, uh, through a, a 12 hour set. Okay. Yep. So I'm hoping that that 210 would be just, just that added benefit that I need under that layer to, to make those, those 40 degree 12 hour sits, uh, manageable. And I think it will, because I'm really close with the current. I think I've got the, the one, did you say it was a 110? Uh, there's a 125, a 145, and then the 210, right. I think. Yeah, I'm using the 145s right now, and gotcha. I'm close. So I'm thinking if I if I were to use the the 210s, it'd probably seal the deal for me. Yeah, I don't I don't want to make this uh, a plug for QU, but I the only product I bought of theirs this year was the 145 wool top, and. Instantly, the very first night I wore it, I had to go up and do a pretty, it, it wasn't cold out, but it wasn't like early season. It was like 65, mm-hmm. 70 degrees outside. There was no humidity. There was a, uh, not a stiff wind, but a light breeze. And it was, it was cool if you would, if you stopped. And sure. once I got to the base of the tree, I was sweating. I started to sweat, but it took little to no time for that, uh, that, sweat to dry up and go away and have right. my garment. So the, the wicking capability of that Kuyu wool was awesome, but, and, and I'm not, I'm not saying it's just Kuyu, but because there's several other sure. companies that offer a wool product, but Merino wool, uh, I will, I'll tell you this right now. I will never go hunting again without a Merino <laughs> wool top. My well, next, so- yeah, go ahead. It's so funny because wool gets such a bad rep. Exactly. And when you look at it for what we do, it, it's one of the harder fibers, or when you when you it's it's one of the hardest fabrics to overheat in compared right. to polyester. I can put on a polyester base layer, one of the heavier base layers. If I sit on my couch, I'm gonna start sweating. Right. I mean, you, you're gonna get hot. And and wool, unlike polyester, also has the added benefit of, I believe, it retains somewhere between eighty and eighty five percent of its insulating properties when wet. Okay. So you, you get wet, you get your gloves wet or something, or, or, or it comes up over your boots. You're still going to be keeping a lot more of your, of your, of your warming qualities for that hunt and maybe not ruin that hunt for you. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I know it dries fairly, fairly fast. I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a sweater by nature. <laughs> so, right. right. <laughs> uh, I can appreciate that. So there's that. And I know that, uh, and as far as Kuyu is concerned, again, I don't want to turn this into a plug for the, the company, but the, uh, they, the way they make their wool products as far as how traditionally wool is turned into a garment, I guess they don't spin their fabric, which adds additional insulation or a, a heat warmth 
or uh, right. warp, their warmth ratio, whatever that's called. So that's kind of uh, that's kind of interesting. So Kuyu, a couple products from Kuyu for uh, four hundred and eighty nine dollars. Right. Okay. Now the next product, the last product on that five hundred dollar price range. This okay. So the last product here is a Vortex Ranger one thousand. Gotcha. And this is just coming from the frustration of spending money on rangefinders that either don't give me all the the functions that I need it to, or they do, but it's at such a low price point that within a year or two, I'm having to replace the thing again. Okay. Um, it's a waterproof rangefinder that'll range a deer from 10 to 500 yards accurately. They've got two measurements on their website, the, the actual reflecting range, but then the, the realistic ranging capabilities of the rangefinder. Right. Um, the other thing is I'm really hard on equipment. Yep. I, I mean, I, I feel like I ought to be hard on it and it ought to hold up. And their warranty was the original warranty that, that started this, this, the, the no fault policy return. If it yeah. breaks, no matter what, you know, and they, and they stand by it. My uncle who's out in Colorado, uh, dropped his off the side of a, a cliff. I think he was telling me the other day, it, it, not like a, you know, enormous drop, but it, it cracked and they replaced it. Just, yep. Right. No problem. Send no it. No question in. asked. Right. Yep. And Next. like you said, they were Vortex is one of the original companies that that did that. Right. I don't know if I mean I know there's a lot now, but back, you know, 5 5 years ago, 7 years ago, uh, there was they were the only ones. Right. So that's kind of cool. Now, as far as rangefinders concerned, you know, with all the other products out there, uh, that you could get or combinations of products that you could get for $500. Why a rangefinder when there could potentially be products out there that, you know, may not have that same warranty, but sure function the same. Really? It came down to a firsthand review from my, from, from different people that I know. Um, the fact it was waterproof, it seemed like in all the measurables, it was just an edge better and then when you, you know, if you tried to justify or rationalize the other one, like, oh, well, this one has a, a durable, rugged case, or this one, ha-, you know, you, you don't have to hold the button down to range different areas. It's a constant calculating, you know, uh, reflection. It, it came back to you like, yeah, but this one, if, if it breaks, they're going to fix it. Like, right. That's peace of mind. Right. Right. I mean, it, 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 it was really just kind of that simple. Okay. So a range finder. And what did that run? This one I went over by fifty dollars. It's five hundred and forty nine dollars. Five hundred and forty nine dollars. Okay. Alright. Alright, so let's let's go back to that same type of question I asked you for the first category. You had you you had some you had some money left over in that five hundred dollar category and you decided from the from this category now, here, I'll, I'll even expand it a little bit further. You have one product to pick from this category, or you can maybe purchase all three from the perfect, you know, from the previous. If you had five hundred dollars, oh, man. If you had five hundred dollars, <laughs> what what products or product combination would you go with? I think I'd have to go with the Lone Wolf Hunt Ready system. Okay. It. I have a rangefinder. It does work. I, I, I've got. You know, and I say, as quick as I say that, I think about that deer and those FMJs. Yeah. Um, 
Man, that's a tough one. I think that's one that I that you'd end up seeing me standing there in the aisle of Bass Pro Shops looking at both of them just <laughs> zoned out trying to figure out which one I'd do. I, I think it would still come back to the FMJs, though, honestly. Okay. so I, I've got a climber, and it works, and, and it, it's about bringing them home to get all the way to that point and have that happen again. I don't know how I'd, I'd take that, to be honest with you. Okay, so kind of a last-minute decision. Yeah, I think so. All right, now now we have kind of a this next one. When I originally contacted you guys, um, I said it was going to be a thousand dollars, but then I looked at all the products out there. You know, there there's a little bit of a unless you're talking about optics, there's a little bit of a gap in hunting products, and because I, I feel like optics, there's a range, you know, all the way from five hundred to two thousand dollars. But everything else is in that five hundred dollar or or lower category until you get to the bows, which are over a thousand dollars and up to two thousand dollars, depending on what manufacturer. So the next category, I I, I bumped up from one thousand to two thousand. Um, so what is the first product around that two thousand dollar? category my first product's a bear br33 uh bow it's a 33 and a quarter inch axle to axle hybrid cam system okay 330 feet per second but it's only it's a seven inch brace height and and from my technical expertise i've never i've owned several six inch brace height bows and i've never been very effective with one i feel like seven inches for the forgiveness or for whatever reason, I've just, it's always been a more comfortable range. So that 330 feet per second is a sacrifice of that seven inch brace height, but it's got an 80% off, uh, 80% let off. Okay. And it's a limb stop backdrop, back wall rather. Okay. And I've had both cable guard stops and limb stops. And for me, being able to draw back and knowing it has an absolute stopping point, gotcha. Just just works best for me. Okay, so with that, um, do you feel that that has to that may help you with accuracy? Um, being able to only draw it so far, I think so. I, I think it's it's. I'm I'm very methodical when I shoot. I like I like controlled controlled environments and. You know, I start with my feet, I set my feet, I set my shoulders, I set my arms, I draw back. Every one of my, my, my anchor points is the same. And I've always felt that I lose control almost when that back when that back wall wants to sponge a little bit on me. I know yep. I can still hit my anchor points and it'd be fine, but it, it's almost like that subconscious. I'm wondering, am I in the exact same spot? And that's just taking my mind off of what I'm doing. And that's that, to me, defeats the purpose. Gotcha. Okay. So, first off, how much does that bow cost? Eight ninety nine ninety nine. Eight ninety nine. So you know, roughly nine hundred bucks. Correct. Okay. All right. So nine hundred dollars. Obviously, that gives you some play uh, with you know, if you were to own, you had let's say you had two thousand dollars, you have a lot of money left over to go buy a lot of other things uh, with right. that. But uh, for conversation purposes, why? bear why the br33 when there are several other manufacturers out there well i've i've always had the archers temptation of trying different things yep and before i, I settled on this one i shot psc i shot hoyt i shot 
just about anything in Tallahassee I could get my hands on. And that's pretty much all of your mainstream bows. Yep. And if I'm going to shoot something and I'm going to go through all those steps, I want it to be something that feels good in my hand. I want it, the draw cycle to feel right. I want it to be just a, an extension of my body. And there were, it came down really close to a couple of other bows. But this one just seemed to have the measurables that, that I and my form and body wanted. It just okay. it felt good. I started I started my bear. I, I started off with bear when I was 16. And they kind of took a little bit of a, of a backseat to a lot of other people for a while. And I didn't touch them for the longest of times. And then last year I shot the bear anarchy and was really impressed. And from that point forward, I changed my mindset and I've given them a fair shot. Um, and just so far, they, the, the, the BR 33 just seems to be a continuation of, of that performance. Okay. So what were the other products, other bows that you were kind that you would also consider, you know, that the, before you decided to choose this bear? Right. The, the Hoyt Defiant was the other bow that I shot. Gotcha. They didn't have their newest that came in. I can't think what it's called. Um, but I shot the Hoyt Defiant and I shot the new Matthews bow and the name escapes me. Those were the only two that were even close. The Halon. And to, for me, the, the Halon, that's right. And then the um, Defiant would have been, uh, the like the De- Defiant, the Carbon Defiant in the Carbon Correct. Defiant Turbo. Yeah, Correct. Okay. Okay. Um, and, and it uh, was close. It was really close. It came down for me for the back wall and the grip. It just, it, it, it sat differently. I can't really put it into words. I'm not a a bow engineer to, to, to break down what the difference is between the two, but it just, it felt right. Right. And that's a, I think that's a one thing that people, uh, need to realize when it comes to picking bows is no hunting celebrity or commercial or anybody is going to be able to talk you into shooting well with a bow because a right. bow, like you said, extension of the body everybody has a different feel. Everybody likes something different. There's some guys who like really loose back walls. There's some guys who like sturdy back walls, some guys who like hard valleys, some guys who Mm -hmm. like really soft and easy valleys. You know, it's just one of those things where it's all preference. Right. And you, I, I feel that a lot of people make the mistake of shooting a bow based off of advertising and not Mm -hmm. what feels good. Oh yeah. All the time. I think that happens. That's probably the cause for more people getting out of the sport, more injured deer and more missed deer is probably just shooting a bow that you thought and, and getting focused on one thing. You know, I remember when the speed craze happened, I think the PSEX force was about that time. Those draws were horrendous. Yeah. I mean, they were horrendous, but I, I, even I was part of that. Oh man, did you see how fast that thing went? It can go by seven. Yeah, you know, (laughs) the thing, you know, it it, it blew through the deer before he even knew it was there. And this was just like incredible. It was such a breakthrough. And then immediately after that, the marketing switched from being, well, here's the newest, quietest bow out there. And quiet and speed didn't always correlate. Here's the smoothest drawing bow, you know, and it was very quick. the, The market was very quick to react and realize that, you know, speed wasn't everything. And I've got a, a buddy of mine. He's gone through three different bows. Right. And he's all hyped about one specific a- aspect of that bow. And within six months, he's, 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 he's frustrated and he's going after something else. And he just doesn't shoot enough bows, in my opinion, to know what feels good for him. Because you can shoot one and think it's the greatest thing all day long until you shoot that next one. Right. And it might be really, you know, the, the thing that hangs the moon in the sky for you. That's right. That's right. All right. So the Bear BR-33. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what is the next 
product on that $2,000 mark. The next pro product is a Vortex Razor HD, 8x42 binocular. Okay, Vortex Razor HD. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, what was the magnification on it? 8x42. 8x42, okay. Mm -hmm. So why, I, I and I'm going to assume, vor again, Vortex because of their warranty. Correct. Okay. That was a major, that was a major part, part of this. Okay. And then why the Razor HD 8x42? When I compared, I mean, I'm, I'm preparing to start going out west and doing hunts myself right. and specifically, specifically with my uncle. So I've been listening to him heavily and he's a very discerning person and very, very slow to, to pass judgment. When he recommended this binocular, he, he recommended I go try out the Leica and Sorvoski and stuff like that. For me, I, I'm not a Western hunter, so I don't know the difference. I don't notice the difference between them, but they were, but this binocular, when I went to Dick's Sport or uh, Bass Pro Shops, forgive me, it, it was as clear in my eyes as the $2,000 and $2,500 bi uh, binos that were there by Leica and Sorvoski and, and uh, Zeiss. Gotcha. So it was $1,000 cheaper, but it was incredible. And, and I recommend to anybody who is currently comfortable with their binos and maybe isn't hunting out west, don't pick up a $2,500 pair of binoculars and look through them because your current setup may just disappoint you for the rest of your life. It was, <laughs> I, I'm so itching to get rid of my current binoculars. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, what good glass. What do you currently have? Oh, just the, the it's a, it's a hundred dollar pair. It's Bushnell buckhorns. I mean, okay. it was, I, again, I don't hunt, you know, but areas where I can see about 40, 50 yards currently. So to me, I didn't think it was a big difference, but when it came to light, the amount of light that was able to, to, to come through those and the clarity, it's right. impressive. It's right. really, it, it could make the difference in some, you know, if you're down in a swamp bottom or in, in, in thick timber and you've got 10 minutes of shooting light left, but you know, you can't quite tell if he's quite what, what you want in a buck or, or is he coming this way? What is it with your naked eye? I really feel like these would make the difference. And then the eight power for going out West, um, everything I've told says that it, it, you know, if you go 10, anything higher than eight, you really need to be resting on a, on a, a, a a bipod or, or shooting sticks to be able to sit st still enough to not get sick from the shaking. Right. So, okay. all right. So, um, did you look, I mean, I take it, you looked at some other higher end, uh, binoculars as well, like the Zeiss and the, and the Swarovskis. Yes. I can't think of the, the, which, which ones I looked through. Cause I was just going down the line and checking out the differences between them. Um, my uncle had recommended this particular, set so i was comparing price point and and gotcha. above with this um what do these was run twenty five hundred dollars and higher well i meant for the vortex oh, oh, razor the, hd the, the vortex they're yeah. fifteen hundred dollars fifteen hundred dollars for a pair of binoculars okay correct all right okay and you, when you when you come back to the price point you're looking at it and you know you and i work hard if you're gonna spend fifteen hundred dollars on it if it's comparable to a two thousand or twenty five hundred dollar pair of binoculars, and if you break it, they're going to replace it. I mean, it almost is, is a no brainer. I mean, <laughs> right. right, okay. So there's that. Now, the last product in this category. Well, I kind of cheated on this one. Okay, it's it's a bundle again. Okay, and it's it's out of sheer frustration. I had two other items, and I threw those cards out. Okay. Um, I went out to my, my, uh, 
property that I hunt and all four of my trail cameras have died. Okay. And this is for the third time this season. So what do you, what do you mean died? Uh, won't turn on, didn't take photos. I mean, just the, the whole gambit. Um, they just, they, they, they refuse to take photos and they're all less than a year old. Okay. What, uh, what brands were those? Wild game, wild game innovation was one of them. It was one of their higher end models. And then the other two, I think are the new Bushnell ones that came okay. out. Gotcha. And, I, and, and, and this might just be that, you know, I got a couple does. I don't know. I've got buddies who swear by them, but I'm sick and tired of leaving an area alone for three weeks, hunting it, going in there and seeing tracks and not knowing what it was. Exactly. Um, so I did the math and I can get eight Exodus lift trail cameras and still have a little bit of money left over. Okay. And that would be able to cover the public land and the private land that I hunt. Okay. Now I'm going to stay out of this. Because yeah, they, sure, you sure. know they sponsor yeah. the show, so my uh, my opinion on this is irrelevant. Um, why why did you decide to go with Exodus over other brands? Well, that is that is a, a that stems directly from the fact that much like a lot of people, I'm really skeptical of the buy it and it'll show up and hopefully you like it and then you have to ship it back. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm a physical person. I want to touch it. I want to hold it, hold it up to my face. Yep. And when I took the leap with Kuyu and was so impressed Yep. and I looked at that business model and I'm an accountant, I started looking at, you know, if they market up 30, 40%, you do the math, you back it out, you're going to get a better product in theory than you would otherwise. Mm-hmm. And thus far, the, the, the only one that I've tried has performed as well as I could have imagined. And if that, that, model is going to continue to be a successful one the ones that are there are going to be put it, putting out a good product right so for me if kuyu did it and kuyu did it right and there's other people in the market that are doing it i'm going to give them that faith and as much as i can moving forward i am doing the direct to consumer model because i want my money to go as far as i possibly can right i want to get the best product and if that means i have to start piecing it together over a series of years i'm, I'm done throwing my money away okay now I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second on direct to consumer. Um, Every time I post uh, about a company on Facebook or wherever, let's say, let's say I I talk about Exodus trail cameras or I talk about Kuyu or I talk about like a Maven optics or someone like that and, and, and people's opinions. And they say, well, it takes away from the, the mom and pop stores. It takes away from the, you know, the retail stores that, you know, rely on that business as well. What is your, and you like that direct to consumer model because you want your money to go as far as possible. What's your, what's your take on that? It's kind of controversial and a lot of people today probably won't like it and they probably won't agree with me, but times change, things change, business models change. And, and we're not still using the recurve because, you know, there's, there's, you know, uh, it's going to put Bob's bows out of business, you know, and, and, it, and I don't want to see anybody go out of business, but at the same time, my self-interest and getting a quality product is important to me. And yep. maybe, you know, maybe it's going to be a shift and it's probably going to be uncomfortable for a lot of folks. And I hate that yep. for those people because they're, they're good, hardworking folks like you and I, but there's always going to be products that people don't want to have to, or can't wait five days to get there. 
you know, there's the, the brick and mortars, you know, they said Walmart would be out of business by now. And yeah. currently right now they're starting to show that they can have an e-commerce market with quick shipping and still grow their brick and mortar. They just have to shift what's in their brick and mortar. Right. So I, they're going to have to adapt, but I'm not going to throw money away to keep somebody in business. If they, right. if they sold an equally good product, then I would gladly even pay the extra amount of money that you pay at a mom and pop shop. I've done that my entire life. But unfortunately, if the product doesn't match up, I, I can't pay a premium for that. I mean, it just right. doesn't make good fiscal sense. Right. Okay. So eight trail cameras, and that would be able to replace what you currently have? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Now, Clean I, sweep. Clean sweep. All right. So now, we, you know, we've talked about the uh, first thing I want to say is I'm looking at this list here. Easton, Trueball, HHA, Lone Wolf, Vortex Optics, Bear, and Exodus. I've done podcasts on each one of those companies. The only one I have yet to do is Kuyu um, on on this uh, list that you've mentioned. So to all the listeners out there, if you you know are interested in some of those companies that he talked about today, I've done all but Kuyu. For on other podcasts, so go look those up and uh, um, listen to those. Now, my question is, my next question to you is, Walter, how much money do you get allocated a year to hunting? <laughs> it it depends on if you ask my wife or not, but it <laughs> it it's probably a larger budget than I. I don't put a dollar amount on it um, because. As soon as I do that, something's going to break. I, I'd probably say, if I was honest with myself, I probably put about two thousand or so dollars a year into into hunting equipment um, and just necessities that I need every year. Okay, all right, and that doesn't include like gas money going driving back and forth. No, no, no. Batteries is, for your trail cameras yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, okay. It, it might. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 typically. Uh, I mean, I think every season I probably buy two or three trail cameras at a hundred or 150 a pop. And, right. and you know, you, you put a layering system in there, there's $400. It adds up really quick. I mean, it's, right. it's, it's, it goes faster than you, than you think. It's probably somewhere in the nature of, of two, two, $2,000 to $2,500 probably every year. Okay. Um, other than that, you know, Walter, thank you for coming on the show and being my guinea pig on on this podcast and talking about these these products and and your wish list. Um, hopefully, Santa's nice to you and gets you everything on that list. <laughs> yeah, we agree. <laughs> <laughs> or you know what you need to do is you say, "Hey, uh, tell the wife she needs to listen to this podcast, and then she'll have some uh, Christmas ideas for you." Yeah, she also know my budget, so I think I'll, I'll hold <laughs> off on that and just put some subliminal message in throughout the house. <laughs> Do not listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I, uh, again, thanks for taking time to do this, and uh, good luck the rest of the season, whether you're hunting duck or deer. Thank you, buddy. You too. All right, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. I know it's something a little bit different than what you're used to, and uh, hopefully – it may get some ideas in your head uh, for you to go look into certain products or uh, maybe you have a different opinion on uh, some of the products that we discussed or you have a different kind of wish list. If you have a wish list and you'd like to share it with all of us, I'm not sure how many of these podcasts I really want to do, but um, hit me up 
if you want to come on the show and talk about your wish list, uh, three items at $100, three items at $500, and then three items at about $2,000. And uh, we can discuss just like we discussed today with Walter. So uh, huge shout out to Walter for taking time to uh, research those products, put together uh, some information to share with us today. And uh, we got three more of these already scheduled, so they'll be coming down the pipe for you. Thanks to our sponsors, DeerLab.com and ExodusOutdoorGear.com. Again, if you guys want to find out more information about Exodus Trail Cameras, visit ExodusOutdoorGear.com. And if you want to find out more information about DeerLab, visit DeerLab.com slash Nine Fingers and check out their free 30-day trial period. I strongly suggest you do that. Uh, other than that, if you guys have any questions, uh, hit me up. Or if you want to be on a Hunter Profile podcast or know someone who shot a giant buck with an awesome story, and it doesn't even have to be a giant buck, you know, uh, uh, a buck with an awesome story. And uh, it doesn't have to be even whitetail. I, I love talking about mule deer, elk, uh, goat, sheep, whatever. If you can hunt it, I'd love to. And it's got a cool story. I'd love to get to you guys on the podcast. Or if you know someone who may be too shy to contact me, uh, throw me their name and contact information and I can reach out to them. Uh, if you guys haven't already, follow me on Instagram, follow me on Twitter, uh, Facebook. And uh, please go to iTunes and leave a review. Uh, that right there helps me out a lot. Other than that, it's uh, still hunting season. So if you're going to be in the tree, wear your damn safety harness. Have a good week.